you're not working for a corporation anymore. You're working for you. And because you worked for that multi-million billion dollar corporation or you were assistant to that billionaire, like you're used to this world. It's not, the only difference is now it's you versus I'm working for a corporation. And it takes a second for that to click for most people. Cause they're like, can I do it? I'm like, you've been doing it. Welcome to the Joyous Path to Millions podcast with me, your host, Emily June Wilcox, serial entrepreneur, seven-figure business owner, mindset junkie, creator of the Money Wound Medicine program, devoted mama of two, and lover of coffee and crystals. My mission is to put more money in the hands of soulpreneurs through healing money wounds, building abundant businesses, and balancing masculine and feminine energy. When we do this, we collectively up-level the frequency of the planet and help usher in new paradigm wealth. Each week, a new episode will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and guest interviews where we'll dive into honest money conversations and the -the behind-the-scenes truth of building our aligned fempires. We all deserve a healthy, empowered relationship with money so we can experience more freedom, pleasure, and joy on our joyous path to millions. So get ready and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the show. I have to say I had such a fun morning. It was one of those mornings where my intuition and universe were like such a good co-pilot and put me in the right positions in a way that I wouldn't have imagined. So typically I don't drive the kids to school in the morning, Jeff does, and I do the pickup. But I realized that I wasn't going to Pilates this morning. And so last night I mentioned to Jeff, like, hey, if you want to go to the golf driving range in the morning, feel free. And I'm happy to drive the kids to school. He said, yeah, I'll think about it. So this morning he decided he was going to do that. We had an easy morning getting the kids ready for school. And since I was bringing them, JJ wanted to invite a couple of his friends to a pool party we're having this weekend. So instead of just dropping them off from the car and the drop-off line, We were going to park and walk up because I needed to try and find the moms of JJ's friends so that I could let them know about the pool party and get them invites and everything. So we even circled around the school once because I didn't find good parking. And I was like, "Mm, maybe I'll just do the drop-off line. But I just had this intuitive feeling that it would be better to walk them up to school. So we circled around, we found a parking spot, walked them up to school. JJ got to give out his little invites to the pool party. I saw my neighbor. We were talking as we were leaving and she's like, Hey, are you going to the room parent meeting? It's happening right now. And I said, well, I don't actually know if I'm going to be a room parent. I said that I could, but I haven't heard anything from the teachers. And she said me either, but I'm just going to go. And so I decided to do the same. I actually had a half hour of time before I needed to get home for a first meeting. And went to this room parent meeting, found out that I actually wasn't meant to be a room parent for either classroom. They had already selected. However, a mom that I was a room parent with when Faye was in first grade, so two years ago, was selected as the room parent for Faye's third grade class. And she and I were co-room parents two years ago. We loved that. And so we're going to do that again this year, which is honestly my ideal. When I was signing up and said I could be room parent, I said it for both kinder and third grade, and then just 
talked to God and said, please, I can't do both. So you figure this out. And I didn't even consider my ideal, but God knew what my ideal was, which was to partner again with Amanda because she's so good at the creative stuff, coming up with the party theme and the activities that they're going to do. I don't excel at that, but I'm really good with the communication, sending out the emails, collecting the donations, being on top of all of that. So we worked out my absolute ideal scenario. And none of that would have happened had I not dropped the kids off at school, had I not walked instead of driving, and then ran into my neighbor and got invited into this meeting. So it just goes to show when we surrender to our intuition and we just follow these little nudges of what feels good and what feels right, magic unfolds. And I am so here for that. Anyhow, I have an incredible interview today. You guys are not going to want to miss this. I was just fascinated with Shayla Locklear because she is a wealth psychology and high performance coach to ultra high net worth individuals and families. If that right there doesn't evoke curiosity, I don't know what does. But she is so interesting in the work that she does. So she helps skillfully navigate all of the non-financial challenges that accompany these remarkable achievements, the transfer of wealth and affluence. And she takes a very comprehensive and holistic, integrative approach that helps foster well-being for individuals and families of ultra high net worth. This interview is so fascinating. You are going to learn so much. So let's dive in. Shayla, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sometimes my favorite thing about podcasting is that I get to satisfy my own curiosities. And so when I connect with people online and I'm like, I want to know everything about you. I'm so curious. This is the perfect venue for it. So you work with ultra high net worth individuals and... I just want to know, like, how did you get into this work? That's a a question that I get so often because a lot of people would assume that maybe I've been like born into wealth or something that's not true, completely born into what most we consider middle class. I would say actually makes sense because I feel like if you were born into an ultra high net worth family, you wouldn't have the perspective to actually be able to help those clients. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, it could go both ways because there's some people that are in this industry that they come from wealth and they have seen, been able to see both sides and some people yeah. don't. But I luckily have been able to see both sides from coming from where I come from and then also being enveloped into this world. And it's great. It's amazing. So what's been really fun is what I found is that like every job that I've had in some way, shape or form, I'm always pushed into the highest level with the most, with the richest people. And so that's how it was with in corporate. When I was even like middle school or elementary school, my friends were of affluence. So I got to see their lives and got to see, and I was like the favorite friend. So I get invited everywhere with all families and everything else. And I'm like, they're like, oh, Shayla's just like one of ours. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) So I can go. So I got to see all the realms growing up. 
And then going into corporate positions, it was just natural that I would excel. And then I also got into the rooms with really powerful people who happened to be very wealthy. And so it just tended that way. Like I just was going that way. And that's just how my life went, which was really great. And my last like corporate position before I went out on my own, I was a matchmaker for wealthy individuals. So that really got me thinking into different avenues and also like psychology, because that's what it was. I'm looking for individuals for rich people, and I'm getting to see the other side of them while also being the one that they hired to assist them. So it was so interesting, all the avenues and all of the the ways I've been able to see. So it was just natural to become, when I went into entrepreneurship, to be someone who worked with people of wealth, because that's just what I've been doing the whole time. And I don't think we ever realize how transferable our skills are, entrepreneurship. And it just so happened that like mine worked perfectly with what I'm doing now. That's amazing. You're making it sound very effortless and maybe it was. I would be so curious, Were there ever moments where like your own worthiness was questioned? Who am I to do this? Or who am I to charge these rates? Or can I really step into this role? Yes. It's been interesting that even with corporate, I was always a go-getter. And I was always somebody who was very much, if I want something, I'm going to get it. Mm. And so a lot of the roles that I've played and the positions Like some of them I would not be qualified for in a sense. And, but I knew in my heart that I could do them. So Mm. I'd apply anyway. I'd be like, okay, whatever. I know they say I need this, but I know me, so I can do this. And so it taught me that, yeah, while there is a specific set of rules or things that are on paper that people are looking for, more than that, it's like who you are. Like it's, And for me, it was like, what if I believed in myself, like I could have half of what they're asking for, but I'm like, I know I can do this job. Right. So that taught me to be bold and like to trust my intuition. But when it came into working for myself, I would say I did have like several moments of who am I to charge this or can I do this? I don't see anybody else doing this. But also what's interesting about me is I tried the initial like bottom-up approach that everybody teaches and I'm not against it because it works really well for some people so a lot of mentors were multi-million dollar mentors when I started out in coaching and they were like okay you start 97 197 blah 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 all that other stuff and I'm like cool and they're doing amazing with it yeah but I never did well in that realm it just wasn't clicking And so out of almost desperation, probably like six months into going online and starting my business online, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go completely opposite because that makes me feel good and nothing else is working anyway. So if this doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. And so my first big sale online was like 13 grand before I was able ever able to sell anything that's a $97 offer or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Work. So then I was like, oh, I'm onto something. And I took off from there. So yes, even at those prices, though, did I still say, who am I to do this? Yes. And a lot of people, what I found, especially with the individuals that I work with in the, the business standpoint, who are looking to 
work with ultra high net worth individuals, most people have some sort of, not all, but a lot of people who come to me, they have a background in luxury. Either they worked for somebody who was ultra high net worth, they've been in the industry, right? But they just never thought about going on their own or how to do it on their own. So it's those transferable skills where I'm like, it's just, you're not working for a corporation anymore. You're working for you. And because you worked for that multi-million billion dollar corporation or you were assistant to that billionaire, like you're used to this world. It's not, the only difference is now it's you versus I'm working for a corporation. And it takes a second for that to click for most people. Because they're like, can I do it? I'm like, you've been doing it. You've already done it. It's just that there's safety in a corporation versus you being the face and the person. And especially if you're coaching or consulting or doing some type of service-based business, it's this is you. And so now it's closer to home. And that's why most people get a little afraid or they they get a little stuck because they're just like, are people going to take me seriously or... Once again, who am I to, to offer this without the yeah. backing of a multi-billion dollar corporation? I'm like, right. you're the same person though. Like you're the one who was doing it anyway. So if they hired yeah. you here, most definitely you're worthy of being hired, even if it's just in your own accord. Yeah, it's so true. And I definitely went through that as well, where when the rates were being set by my company, like both the rate that I was getting paid, but also what we were charging for, like I worked in pharmaceuticals, in like biotech. So we're talking like 60 grand a year to be on our medication. I never questioned that because I didn't set the prices. It's just what it was. But then you go out on your own and all of a sudden you can pick any price and it creates all of this mind junk and brings your worthiness and all of that into question. Yeah. So I love that. And by the way, I have that same, I I joke a little bit that it's a toxic trait of, oh, I can do this. Oh, I don't know half of these skills. It's fine. I think everything's (laughs) going to be easier than it is, which has actually served me so well. But then I go to repaint my front door and I'm like, motherfucker, why did I think this was a good idea? This is actually not a 10 minute project like I thought it was in my head. I know. It's the same thing. And I think it is a great trait to have, but it also, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie, as you get more advanced, as you grow in your business and your life and everything else, yes, you can still have it, but you, it disintegrates a little bit because you have more that is on the table now. Like yeah. you imagine that you started and before you're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. I don't have anything, right? Like I'm just starting. So whatever. Or if I, if this person doesn't like me, no big deal. But as you grow and grow and grow, you're like, you have more and more to lose. I do have that tenacity in a bigger realm, but I would say I'm a little bit more skeptical of myself sometimes now than I right. used to be. Like before it was never even a thought. Like it was like, yeah. boom, done. Now I like, I maybe take two seconds at least <laughs> to yeah. think about before I do something. The opportunity cost on our time is a lot higher now as well. Yeah. Definitely. So it's, wait, why am I creating this product in the back end tech system? Like I should not be doing this. Even if I can, right. opportunity cost does not make Absolutely. financial sense. Absolutely. Just I'm like, oh, 
I can build that bonfire, like that whole rock bonfire in my backyard, make it beautiful, absolutely amazing. Go buy everything from Home Depot because I know what I'm doing. I can do, I can figure this out. And everything's still sitting there a year from now. Like it's literally still there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I should probably hire somebody to do this because I'm like, I'm done now. Can I do it? Absolutely. But okay. Can I? Do I want to? Yeah. (laughs) Where did you grow up, by the way? Wisconsin. And I know no one ever believes that. Like, Girl, I sniffed it out. I was like, this is a Midwestern chick. Oh, really? Everyone's always, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good old Wisconsin. Welcome. They're like, where is that? Is that a place? I wouldn't have guessed Wisconsin. I was thinking like Ohio or Indiana or something. I don't know. But I grew up in Michigan. So maybe we just just know. (laughs) You know. You You don't live there anymore, though. Yeah. Yeah. You do? I know. Surprise. So I'm about an hour away from Chicago. But I typically just say Chicago because if I say Wauwatosa, people are like, what? First of all, where is that? What country exactly. is that in Canada? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, so I say, I'm like, oh, I'm from Chicago or from Illinois, because if people fly in, that's where we knew. Usually if someone's coming right. to a VIP day or something, then yeah. we'll go to Chicago is easier and it's right. easier to in for most people. But yeah. if I'm like, yeah, traveling around the world, yeah, it's they're like, what? I'm like, Chicago. Yeah, that's smart. I'm going to do the same thing. I say I'm in a sleepy suburb of Los Angeles. Okay. Which is true because it's like, yes, it is. I live in Los Angeles County, but also the idea that you have in your head of Los Angeles is not Rancho Palos Verdes, which is where I live. It's so different, but you know. Yeah. People, it's, yeah, everyone has their own slang and everything else. So it is easier to just say LA. And everything to most people, California is LA. So it doesn't matter. Like to everybody. Right, it's like, totally. It's like LA. It's like, they're like, what? I'm like, LA. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. You're giving me like Dave Chappelle vibes. You know how he's still, li- he lives on this, whatever, yeah. hundreds of acres in like rural Ohio. And no one ever, and he's still there. It's so funny. And that's so funny because that's exactly what I'm looking at right now for my new house. And because I'm like, and you get a lot of land where I'm looking for it. So it's called River Hills. So there's a lot. It's where all like the, all of the like basketball stars, everybody lives out like in there, but it's, it's tucked off. It's bougie it's Wisconsin. Yeah. It's tucked away. But what I love about it is like, I can get a place there that then I'd be like, oh my gosh, my clients can come. It's like resort like. So Ooh. then I can bring my clients here yeah. fully. Yeah. And so they wouldn't feel bad because I'm like, oh, come on to Wisconsin for a VIP day. They're like, what? I'm like, okay, we're going to Chicago. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, but, come to River Hills. Then they'll be like, and they don't have to go anywhere. They can stay on the land. There's enough room for everybody, the pool, this, that, everything. Yeah. They'll feel like a resort and they won't care that we're in the middle of Wisconsin somewhere. <laughs> I love that. That is the dream, like just to create a home space that feels like a retreat center. For your own family, but also for clients. Yeah, it's so good. And that's also because, and I have three kids. So that's another thing where it's like creating something for them to, once they go home, you go to college, come back, all that, like so, a space for them. And I'm just yeah. like a open door type of person anyway. So that's a thing. It's like the, our house is everybody's house. And some right. people, Like they're not really comfortable with it, but that's just what I do. The door's always open. My fridge is always empty because everybody's eating everything. My kids' friends, whether they're there or not, are literally like there. 
who's in Epic's bedroom? Oh, it's Joshua. Okay. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Does Epic know you're here? No? Okay, fine. Same. We are cultivating the same thing. And I'm like, it's so great because I love my house. I actually would let, I'm a homebody, but I'm yeah. like, but come hang and also right. make yourself at home because I might not hostess you very well. So like literally let yourself into the cupboards and the fridge so that your right. needs are taken care of. But I think as a mom, it's, if your house is the house, then yeah. I feel like you're so much more connected to what's going on with your kids and their social group. And you hear all the stuff that's, you get the intel. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm the parent though. Like I'm the, I'm the Oh yeah. Parent. Not for not in friend zone, but just you're right. just overhearing Everybody it. Knows, like, I'm the parent that everyone's a they if they're with me, no one's afraid. No parent ever checks in with me because they know how I am. But yeah. I'm also like my kids also understand very much too that if it's a new friend or something else that's coming in, I'm like, who, what parents tell me, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys going? I need phone numbers now. So they get used to that. But right. as other parents, because I always check, like my kids are, my daughter is now 19. And then I have a 14 year old and then a six, he's just about to be 16 actually this weekend. Okay. They're getting used to their teenager spacey and stuff like that. Yeah. But they still know I'm going to check in. Okay. Yes. You're going over to so-and-so's house. What's this? You're doing that. What's that? And also what's interesting is I found, which I did not even know, but all my kids friends like watch me on like Instagram or whatever is happening I was like what not on Facebook so much but more so on Instagram like whatever I'm posting or whatever because I'm like the mom that like everyone else's mom like it's a different type of mom so they're just like what does your mom do like how does this what and they're always like watching where is she at what has happened it's always very interesting to see because i'm like oh my gosh the kids are watching and i'm like i'm more nervous for the kids than like potential clients i'm like oh my gosh because i'm like what are you saying to your parents too and i'm also that like that i don't want to say i'm like i always say i'm like the black sheep in a sense and i i guess that i am but i don't look at that as a negative thing yeah. so with parents and stuff like that, a lot of parents are, they'll tell me later once we're like actually friends, they'll be like, oh my God, I was so intimidated by you. Wow. And I'm like, really? Because I don't know why they're like, but you have like your shit so much together. I'm like, oh, do I? <laughs> like, do I? Okay. Okay. But they're like, and you do so much amazing work. And I'm like, oh, but I don't know. I just, to me, it's normal. But then it's a whole different other world. And I'm like, yeah, I work with ultra high network people all the time, blah, blah, blah. They're like, what? it's a, a whole different world. So it's very interesting to see the kids' perspectives, parents' perspectives, but also because not that I do a, primarily a lot of my work on the internet, but like at least 50% of my work is on the internet. And then the yeah. rest is referrals, this, that, the connections that I've already made. Yeah. And so bringing it into real life and by real life my world as far as parenting this and that is a whole different other avenue it's easy for me to go to the yacht club or like on a pj with a client or whatever else like that's normal but yeah. when you come back to good old wisconsin when i'm dropping my kids off at school and talking to parents in the morning where we're having starbucks and they're just like it's in awe it's and i'm yeah. like oh i haven't brushed my teeth yet so <laughs> Just be careful. <laughs> what is something that you want people to know about ultra high net worth individuals that you think they get wrong? 
So I love the phrase like poor little rich girl, because that's what most people are like, oh, play me a tiny violin of your problems, because they think that money solves everything. And the truth is money only solves money problems. And a lot of ultra high net worth people have very similar problems than or challenges. I don't like to say problems, but challenges as you or I have. It's just a bigger scope because, and not to say that your problems or challenges are less than, that's not what I'm saying. It's just more highlighted, but also more tucked away because society doesn't give you the space to have a challenge or problem when you have more than enough money. They're like, well, you can pay for that, right? You, you should be able to pay for that. You should yeah. be able to, like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't have feelings. You should be happy all the time because right. you have money. And I'm like, that's not the case at all. Totally. Yeah. Is it any less heartbreaking if you can't conceive a child and you really want to just because you have money? Oh, no. <laughs> that's still I heartbreaking. Love, like somebody to be with and it's what's interesting is I was having this conversation actually earlier today and it's centered around like one of my clients and this is the problem that's happened a lot very wealthy man and great amazing phenomenal what he does and the challenge is finding love and people are like why and I'm because when they understand how much money this man makes, then there's the dollar, like he's a walking dollar sign. Right. And people if that's okay. And I'm like, that's actually not okay. Because over here, you're trying to figure out, does this person like me or do they like my money? Right. And that's a really a challenging thing because we can try to decipher But unless you're like straight out, hey, did you buy me a Birkin today? Like on our second date, you don't know. And so, and we hear of stories even where like ultra rich families or ultra rich individuals, they were married, they got married and in their prenup, but you've got to last 15 years and you'll get this certain amount of money or whatever else. And to the day that 15 years comes and it's boom, she's out. (laughs) She's like, all of it. And you're like, it's a 15 year long game, dude. Like, how do you feel about that? And people don't give the space for this man to have any type of feelings about it. It's like, okay, you can find another one. And I'm like, but how would you feel right. if 15 or maybe 20 years of your life, literally they were waiting to leave you? Or a lie. You thought they loved you and they just wanted a paycheck. That's like, heartbreaking. It's no coincidence that like day 15 year and one day they're like, I want a divorce. Huh? No, that is just happened on accident. Like not. I, a- yeah. I'm so glad you're talking about this. I talk about it to a degree with my clients too, where it's like, you see a lot of examples with celebrities where they've already cracked the money code. Right. But they're still working on love on relationships, on addictions, like all of these other things. And if you're just chasing money and you think once you crack the money code, everything's going to be solved, you're in for a rude awakening. Whereas if we can build our wealth and at the same time do the inner work and be a really great rounded human, there's a much higher likelihood that the wealth is going to round out our happiness. (laughs) Yes. And what I say to that is, okay, fine. Don't believe me. Make the money and then call me when you're ready. Because like, I'm going to tell you that this is what it is. 
because that's what we're as, as far as our society goes that's what they tell you that's what we all strive for this american dream or this specific amount of money that's going to change the game and while i'm i will never tell someone not to aim for whatever it is that you desire whether that's financially physically mentally emotionally whatever cool but also knowing all of those things, like the one thing isn't going to be the thing that you that it is. And we can say the same thing about our bodies, right? We get a specific weight. We're like, I'm going to get this way. I'm going to look this way, blah, blah, blah. And then we're waiting for that moment. And I'm like, yeah, and it never comes. Like you hit the right. weight and you're like, oh, I, it was supposed to change who I was. And I'm like, I don't no. instantly love myself. No. And that's the same, the double-edged sword about cosmetic surgery, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm for it. Whatever you need to do in a specific, do it for yourself, if that's going to help and assist. But there's always and forever going to be that same person underneath whatever got cut out, cut this, cut that. And so that's where you need to work. And I think some of our doctors, honestly, and this is not like a thing about cosmetic surgery, but have gotten away from that, which is why they are supposed to be doing a lot of the psychological tests and things like that before they allow this or do some work, because that's what happens a lot of the times. And then we get body dysmorphia, which can come without plastic surgery, but, and then it's okay, I'm going to get another surgery. I'm going to do another this, I'm going to do another that, because they're still trying to find that feeling. Right. Same thing with money. You're still trying to find that feeling. And you're like, okay, if I make another million, if I make this, if I do that, if I buy this car, if I'm doing this, and if I'm doing that, all those things, there's nothing wrong with them inherently. But if you're still trying to find something and thinking that thing is going to be it, that thing will never be it. Uh, Amen. (laughs) Yes. Louder for the people in the back. I know. Talk to me about raising kids with wealth, because I think this is something that we are scared of. Like we've seen that kids that grow up in environments with a lot of money don't necessarily thrive in adulthood. Do you believe that's true? Is that just what we're hearing in the media? And how are you approaching it differently? Because you also have built wealth for yourself and are raising three kiddos. Yeah. It's what's interesting for me is like I said, like I started, I had my kids very young. So especially my daughter has gone through so many different phases with me and my boys, I will say they've been a little bit, although my daughter has been super sheltered, my kid, my boys, because I've learned so much, it's raising them a little bit differently than I'm raising my daughter and, but also raising them all together and having the conversations around wealth and what that looks like. And also seeing each of their like money dynamics and how different it is, how like, crazy different it is and I'm like oh my god (laughs) like trying to figure like balance it all out so like my middle son I will say is closest to who I was like with money like money in and out every day I'm like what are you spent what is happening right now but he's also like all my kids have been athletes so I'm like I can't really complain they're like great in school they're great athletically I put them into this lifestyle so that's a whole different other thing but he is he's a spender and I've been that way too because I'm like oh I can always make more no big deal my daughter spends up my money she's a saver (laughs) so she will work very hard like she's she'll never not be without a job although she was like collegiate like level athlete everything but will work. She just bought her first car. I did not help her. And so she's 19. Yeah, cashed out on a car like with still a great amount of savings and everything else. 
but she's very tight on her money. So helping her to try to like diversify and learn how to invest, she doesn't get that. She's like, why? That means like, what if I lose it? So that's all the thing. And then my youngest is not necessarily a spender. He is, I'm not saying he's a saver, but he's very much, why would we spend that? Because that's a lot of money and that's a lot of money and that's a lot of money. But I'm like, do you see everything that you have on technically compared to your friends? That's a lot of money. So it's, it's very interesting to see. And, and how I grew up was like my dad was the crazy spender. My mom was the crazy saver. And I saw the dynamics between my parents. And I never wanted to be that tour. Like I didn't want to be like my father. But they always say women tend to take after their father's financial traits. And I did. But I saw what it did to me. I never heard that, but that is so true in my case also. (laughs) They say most of the time women take after their dad's father, like their their traits. And I did a hundred percent drove my mom. I still drive my mom crazy, but it's all the first time I saw the whole thing. But she was such a saver. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so boring. Like Jesus. But my dad was like, in and out money in and out money in and out like we'd he'd get something he'd do something and we're like oh we're off jet setting somewhere doing this doing that my mom's literally oh my god because she knows it's what comes up must comes down and then she's gonna have to like take care of this after that everything else because he'll spend everything and so my mom's been the one who she has everybody set up for everything still to this day like insurance this that like burial wills all that my mom this is great but growing up i was just like oh my god this is like horrible And so what I see in my clients is very different. Like it's a plethora of things. So there are people who were kids who were born into wealth and they don't know any different. And even in that sector, some of them understand money and working and all of that. And some of them just don't get it, literally don't get it. And so their parents will say one of two things. Either they have shown them the ropes and they involve them into Mm -hmm. the family, money and business and everything else. Or it's, hey, I just wanted to provide my kid with everything that I like didn't have, or I I just wanted them to be okay and not have to worry about money. And now they're 40 and running through their trust fund like crazy. And I don't know what to do. I have no clue what to do. And so it's really interesting to see that, like how some individuals raise their children. And, And what tends to happen is there's the wealth creator, which is like the parent or the grandparent or whatever else, especially when we're talking about people like next gen. And that person tends to be like a very high performance type of person, obviously to create the wealth and all that is, is great. Then there's that next gen. And what happens there is either there's a high performer or somebody who can match the strive of that wealth creator or someone who's living in the shadow, and they don't know how to do it, or they don't like, they don't want to, they don't know how to do it, they don't want to, they'll never, they don't feel good enough, they'll never live up to like their mom, their dad, their grandparents, or whatever else. So that creates some weird, very challenging dynamics, because they have these identity crises, because they're like, I have this last name that automatically gets me the greatest things ever. But do I feel worthy of it? Not necessarily. Do I know how to create it for myself? No. And do they know who I really am? Not really. So they're only respecting me because of my last name or the money that somebody else created. And I just so happen to be born into this family. And people are like, oh, there's actually problems with that. I'm like, yeah, because when you're born, like you don't have your own identity. You have your family identity. 
And people are telling you, you should be happy because of that. You should be like so grateful for the privilege that you have and also the wealth that's created from that. But you're sitting there, I don't even have a voice. I don't know. And I don't have anybody to talk about this with. So I guess I'll just go spend more money. I don't know what to to do because should I be allowed to feel this way? And so raising kids with money, it's all over the board, even in the wealth community. And it is a healthy balance, I would say, of either people who completely have no clue, haven't been roped into the family about what, when, where, they're not even checking their quarterly statements from their trust funds that they're getting. The other thing that's really interesting that happens is if the individual is in what we call normal society, there is a tendency for people to hide their money because they've created a group of friends and they don't necessarily know how much money that is coming through the family. So they're one person to this world and then the other person to the family. So raising kids in general is very challenging, but when it comes to wealth, I think it's, I'm not going to say it's as challenging, like more, it's, it's equal because most parents don't have the wherewithal to start the process early and give them, help their kids learn about all of this. And especially if they're stay in their like little bubble, right? If they stay in the wealth bubble, then it's hard to be like, okay, you've got to work for things. And also your horse is outside. Like it's, it's, it's just a little, it's very challenging to, because they're not in the world. Yeah. So they don't see it. And so if their parents were a little bit in the world, then yes, it helps. But if their parents were once again born in the bubble, then nobody really knows what it's like. Right. Those who are who have grown up maybe middle class or something else like that or been in the world and then grow into wealth, most of the time what they're doing is they're like, oh, I'm going to protect my child. Because I don't want to grow up like I did or have the challenges that I did, not knowing that creates character. No, you don't have to like, they don't have to sleep on the street corner, but helping them see like what it takes and what it took and how the other side of the world lives and to be grateful for this and to learn how to create and their own little desires and like motivations and all of that. So they continue the work. And then have a healthier relationship, not only with themselves, with society, with their money. Yeah. So I would say it's, yeah, raising kids in general, very challenging. Raising kids with money, also very challenging because there's so many different facets. And if you don't catch them, I'm not going to say, if you don't catch them early, then you're screwed. No, right. you just hire me. But it just <laughs> There's a lot easier ways to do this and to get kids involved earlier. And it doesn't matter if you, to me, this is actually something that needs to be done for everyone. Getting kids involved early with money and helping them understand it all together, no matter if you're like middle class or don't have as much or you're rich, wealthy, you'll never have to work again in your life. Doesn't matter. Kids need to create their own relationship with money. And it starts by the conversations that you're having with them. Yeah. Yeah. And are you mostly working with the wealth creators or the next gen? Is there a pattern to who's hiring you? I I tend to work with both. 
or I work generally with the family. Okay. So if it's a wealth creator, then they have like children, family, whatever, and it's a hot mess or whatever you want to call it, then I'll come in with, okay, the family in general wants help with this. And each of them may have specific challenges that I'm working mm. with, them with privately. But as a family, we come with come to an understanding of what do we want? And yeah. what's the challenge here? What does the wealth creator want? What do the inheritors and next gen want? Where are we like missing here? Yeah. And how can we create a happy, healthy thing? I mean, we of course couples sometimes, yeah. or when it comes to inheritors or next gen, I'll work with them separately. Mm-hmm. But I would say a lot of times it's family or it's either the next gen or inheritors who have awareness of something's not happening or something's not working in my life. And it's something that they may have the best therapist in the world. And I'm not against therapy. We all love therapists. Let's not lie. But when it comes to wealth, when your therapist is even shaky about talking about it, and you thought that person was supposed to support and help you, and you're not really getting the support and help that you need, especially when it comes to wealth, then it throws everybody off because they're like, well, if I talk to you, what do I do? I can't go to like my family office. They're literally handling my mind. Like they, they're not going to set me like, they're not talking to me about the other challenges. They're just like, Hey, this quarter you doubled your earnings. Like it's right. No, they don't so, want to talk about how you feel. about right. money. I don't know what to tell you, but I would feel great. But so they don't, there's a, not a lot of support when it comes to those things. And you would think that there is. And it's funny because a lot of people will say psychology, what is, is that a thing? Or what are the non-financial challenges of wealth? And like the very things that we're talking about. So it's it's looked at very oddly because people don't think that it's an actual thing, but it's a huge thing. Yeah. And when you come in and are working with the families, I'm just curious from a business standpoint, are you assessing their needs and then putting together a custom package? Because it sounds like every situation, it has a unique setup. Are they ordering off a menu and you have set packages or are you just creating everything custom? So I have a generalized bespoke package that's just, okay, if we're doing like an individual, then this is what the price is. If we're doing a family, this is what the price is. But also it is very bespoke with the way that we work. Yeah, say it's six months, say it's 12 months, right? Or say it's, hey, I'm, I'm coming into town and we're having a whole weekend. This is how we work. And then the way that we manage our time and what we talk about and the experiences and what we have to go through, very personalized based on you. Do I often create other types of personalized packages? Absolutely. Yeah. But... If you're looking at my website, then the basic thing is just, it would be like a six or 12 month option. But even with that, there's always a conversation. It's not that I don't put a link for hundreds of thousands of dollars in my website. You can apply. And then from that, I'll be like, okay, cool. We'll have the conversation. We'll get more in depth about what is needed. I can tell you off bat, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what would be great for your family or for you or for your you as a couple. This is what would be most beneficial from my expertise and things of that sort. Yeah. How does this feel to you? Okay, cool. Then I'll send over the information. This is how it works. This is how we start. In general, yes, there's an overall generalized package, but underneath that, there's so much 
I cater to that individual, that family, that couple. Got it. Okay. And your business, obviously, it sounds like has done well for you financially. Yeah. Talk to us about that. What earning level are you at? So I would say that without saying, but also saying I'm what you would consider high net worth. So there's high net worth. There's ultra high net worth. I'm not there yet, but you can look at what that means, but which is great, right? Because from going to, from middle-class to what people would, I guess would consider rich or whatever, but to high net worth, I'm going through the, the reins. And yeah. once again, I'm seeing from my own personal experiences, all different types of things that only helps me to support my clients even more. Yeah, And so also coming from somebody who has been what you would say terrible with money, I don't believe in that anymore. I would just say that some people are like experienced and not experienced. So I wasn't experienced with money mm-hmm. and now I am. Like, but because I don't like to say terrible, because what does that even mean? What does terrible really mean? Because if if I spent on something that was necessary in my mind or great for me, okay, is that terrible? But you might think it's terrible because you would never do that. But I would think the same thing. I'm like, oh, what you spend money, I would never do. So that's why I'm like, it's completely relative. And I don't like to say I'm bad with money, experienced with money, which I think we all are until we get more experience and more knowledge and more understanding. And to say that I haven't learned from my clients would be a big lie. I've learned so much. Um, and, And that's the benefit of it too. So being able to, and my goal eventually would be an, an ultra high net worth individual. What's the line for that? Just to save us all from Googling. <laughs> so high net worth is typically between one to 7 million. Okay. And then ultra high net worth, very high net worth would be seven to 30. And then ultra high net worth is 30 million and above. Okay. Got it. So yeah, so it's high net worth, very high net worth, ultra yeah. high net worth. Yeah. And so I think the great part about that as well is being able to understand. And like you said before, when we started, I don't want to say start from the bottom, but I started from a very humble beginnings and being able to work my way through the upper echelons of society and being able to connect with all. Yeah. And So that people are very comfortable with me at whatever level that they're at, because I think it's important for people to see that. And also with my ultra high net worth clients, one of the things that they love is they say that I'm the, not only the only person that they're able to like be truthful and fully talk this way with, but they're like, you're so real. And I don't have that in my life. Somebody who is just real or just verse in the world that maybe So I don't feel so bad because they're like in their little bubble. Sometimes they don't talk about these things or just the normal things that happen. And they think that it's such a big shame and everything. I'm like, honey, it is okay. I'm telling, I'm promising you like, yeah, we can work through it, but this is actually quite normal for a human. It's okay to be human. It's fine to be human. And so from a superhuman standpoint, from someone who feels that way or feels that they have to be that way, even if it's not money, but I say high performance people. We're superhuman humans. We, we don't give ourselves space and room to actually come down off our little platforms and be human for a second. And so I'm that person that people can like 
step off of the the platform and be human with. And they really appreciate that and love that. Mm, I love that so much. Where can people find you and connect with you? The best place I would say would be my website, which is www.theshaylalocklear.com. I'm on Instagram at Shayla Unlimited. I'm on Facebook, Shayla T. Locklear. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Shayla Locklear. All those places where you can connect with me or and or my team who will give me your information and everything else like that. But yeah, those are the simplest, easiest places. I'm typically, we do content on Facebook daily. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's somewhere where like we're constantly putting out content. On LinkedIn, um, ever so often. So a few times a week. Instagram, <laughs> we're there. But I I'm like, main platform. But I'm also like, I don't know, on somebody's beach. <laughs> Most of the time I'm traveling or anywhere else. So if you catch me, it's not hard to figure out who I am. Come say hi. Come say hello. I'm not, I don't bite. Yeah. But those are the platforms that I'm primarily on. But if you specifically want to talk to me about whatever challenges that you're going through, especially if it comes to high performance, if it comes to success and also wealth, then my website is a great place to connect with me. And I also didn't speak about this and I can throw this in here, but also I've worked with ultra high net worth. That's like a general thing. But another thing that I do work with often is like NBA, NFL stars, things like that, sports athletes, because the high performance and the money come into play with that because they're they're out there every single day. Like it is high performance, high pressure. But the other challenge that most people don't think about, and most people don't realize that a lot of these professional athletes, not that they come from nothing, that's not true, but a lot of them have a really great story and most of them aren't coming necessarily from wealth. And so you can imagine working all your life to get to the specific place, getting there, right? Like we were talking about on the platform of the world, by the way, getting there, getting handed $200 million. And then you're like, Wait, what? What do I do? And you would think, I thought NFL, NBA, all these, they have people in place for this. They have suggestions for therapists and like financial advisors, but that's Well, it. and there's a lot of predators, unfortunately. There's right. people that don't want to give them good advice, but make themselves very available. Yeah. And I was, I'm like, how is this not like automatically part of like your contract that you have somebody to help you with this? Yeah. And it's, it's not, I was so surprised. Like we can suggest and we have people that we use. I'm like, but is anybody helping them on like the mental capacity of all of this? If you go from zero to 200 million and also your face and your likeness and everything is on every platform. And now you're expected to go out there and also perform every single day when you tried to get here for your entire life. Yeah. Does anybody understand what that means? No? Okay. Right. Just me. I thought, okay, great. Yeah. That is some deep identity work there. So right. if that is, you just hire Shayla and <laughs> she will take care of you. <laughs> Shayla, yeah. this has been amazing. And just to close out the show, I ask all of my guests this, what does it mean to you to be on the joyous path to millions? One of the things that we lose so often when we're on the path to wealth is fun, is joy, is self, because we're so hyper-focused on that dollar sign. And then as we spoke about, we wonder why we get there and we're like, 
is this it? Because we forgot to have fun along the way. We forgot to actually be present along the way. So I think it's really important that although we're focusing on wealth and wealth creation, absolutely do your thing, but also be present for your life and your family or friends or yourself and have fun, have fun. And fun doesn't always equal money. Yes, I know, of course, fun is traveling first class and doing whatever. So yeah, that's funny. But enjoy life. Because the thing is, you can do and make and be all the things, but that's not gonna, you're not gonna remember that. What was fun? What were you able to create? Like what was, it's like with kids. I've been there. Let me say like building my business. I have several businesses. I've sold several businesses. I'm doing this for my kids, right? I'm doing this for a family. And you get lost in the sauce and you realize one day you're sitting with your child or your children or your family and you guys are having fun and you're laughing. And they remember that more than the first class trip to Dubai. <laughs> it's wait, what? Remember when you like snorted that day when we were like having ice cream and you're like, honey, this you're like that's the memory that stood out for right? you. Okay, well, let's just turn around and go home because I just spent like twenty thousand dollars on an Emirates flight for you. But okay, cool. We're just gonna turn around now. But the truth is that's what they remember. That pe people remember how you make them feel on the small things. And don't ever discount that. Don't discount yourself from that because you don't have the funds or the money or the the wealth that you want right now. You're going to get it. Don't worry about that. It's coming. But in the meantime, in between time, be present and have fun and enjoy your life. Amen. Shayla, thank you so much for coming on the show. To everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. I could have talked to Shayla for hours. In fact, after we stopped recording, we just continued chatting for another 15 minutes. So please go give her a follow. She is at Shayla Unlimited on Instagram. Let us know what your top takeaways were from the show. Here are mine. Number one, money only fixes money problems, period. Number two, doing the inner work, how we feel about ourselves, our role, our purpose, our wealth, that actually matters at every level of wealth. Number three, having even one person we can talk to about how we feel about money is a game changer. And you all know that that is a huge mission of this podcast is creating transparency and safe spaces where we can talk about money and not just the dollars and cents, but more importantly, how we feel about it. Number four, you have so many skills from work experience and past endeavors that will translate beautifully into whatever endeavor you want to try next. And I love that Shayla reminded us of that. And takeaway number five, remember to have fun on the joyous path to millions. Amen, amen, amen. So thank you so much for tuning in. I have a great episode coming up with Jennifer Rogers Markwell, and she helps women take charge of their finances, own their financial literacy, and then invest their money to really build wealth. And you are not going to want to miss it. If you've been enjoying the show, please like, subscribe, and share. It means the world. Thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you soon. Listeners like you have made this a top 3% global podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. 
I also love hearing listener feedback, so feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram at mmakesmoney. If you would like to explore hiring me as your money healer and business mentor, hit the link in the show notes or head to explore.emilywilcox.com. Until next time, I'm sending you all the magic money vibes on your joyous path to millions.